It's Friday, October the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, ties stay on the street and Trump and Biden counter-program. First, the world in brief. Tens of thousands of protesters took to the streets of Bangkok, defying the Thai government's declaration of a state of emergency yesterday. The demonstrators, who were largely peaceful, called for the release of protest leaders detained by the authorities. They also want the resignation of the army-backed Prime Minister Prayut Chenucha, democracy restored and the monarchy reformed. Kyrgyzstan's embattled President Surembe Jeanbekov said he would step down. A contested parliamentary election on October 4th had provoked widespread protests, the storming of several government buildings and the eventual deployment of soldiers in Bishkek, the capital. Mr Jeanbekov said that holding on to power was not worth the integrity of our country and harmony in society. The number of Americans making new claims for unemployment benefits rose to 898,000 for the week of October 10th, an increase of 53,000 from the previous week and the most since August. The economy has still not replaced 10.7 million of the 22 million jobs lost during the pandemic. Meanwhile, Congressional Democrats and Republicans remain unable to agree on a new stimulus package. With 19 days until the election, Donald Trump and Joe Biden broadcast simultaneous interviews in place of a cancelled debate. The president was combative, casting doubt on the efficacy of mask wearing and refusing to disavow QAnon, a conspiracy theory that casts him in battle against a massive paedophile ring in high places. Mr Biden's performance was placid by comparison. Ted Cruz, a Republican representing Texas, said the Senate Judiciary Committee will vote next week whether to subpoena Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey over the social media company's decision to block links to two New York Post articles about Joe Biden's son and his activities in Ukraine. Mr Dorsey tweeted that Twitter has a policy of barring content obtained through hacking, but said it was unacceptable not to have made that rationale clear. Conservatives cried censorship. French police searched the house of senior officials, including the health minister and the director of the National Health Agency. The raids are part of an inquiry into whether the government's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic was criminally negligent. For the charges to stick, investigators must establish that individuals knowingly failed to take actions that obviously would have saved lives. And a big study found remdesivir to be ineffective at fighting COVID-19. America had authorised the antiviral on an emergency basis to treat its active infections. However, a trial involving more than 11,000 people in 30 countries, which was sponsored by the World Health Organization, discovered that it failed to prevent deaths. And now here's today's agenda. Turning purple. The presidential race in the South. There is probably no better place in Georgia for Donald Trump to rally supporters than Macon, where he will appear this evening. Though Macon-Bibb County, which is largely African-American, backed Hillary Clinton in 2016, the surrounding counties are deeply conservative. Mr Trump needs votes there to offset his presumptive losses in Atlanta and its suburbs. The candidates are currently neck and neck in the state. The days of the Republican solid South are fading. Virginia is now safely Democratic. Joe Biden holds a small but steady lead in North Carolina. Besides Georgia, Florida and even Texas, which no Democrat has won since Jimmy Carter in 1976, are in play. The South is changing. 
Atlanta's suburbs are multiracial, and Georgia's black and Latino populations are growing faster than its white one. North Carolina's research triangle draws talent from all over the world. Virginia's population now centers around the wealthy, highly educated suburbs of Washington, D.C. The South's future is purple. Give peace a chance. Bolivia's vote. On Sunday, Bolivians go to the polls, hoping to end a year of civil unrest. Last November, protests toppled Evo Morales' socialist government, after an election marred by accusations that he tried to rig the vote. An audit by the Organization of American States found an attempt at fraud. Mr Morales' supporters said he was the victim of a coup. This time, polls predict a runoff between Luis Arque, an ex-finance minister from Mr Morales' party, and Carlos Mesa, a centrist former president. But Mr Arque could win in the first round. The victor will face an economic crisis and a bitterly divided society. Bolivians are stockpiling food in anticipation of post-election protests. Their reforms to the electoral tribunal mean the results should be trustworthy. Neither party will have a majority in Congress, which might lead to gridlock, but could also mean less cronyism and more pragmatism. Bolivia would be better for it. All that gas. Turkey's energy find. On Saturday, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, will share some good news about a recent gas discovery in the Black Sea. In August, he announced the biggest energy find in the country's history, at least 320 billion cubic metres of gas off Turkey's northern coast. Now he is expected to raise that figure to 400 billion, enough to meet the country's needs for up to nine years. Mr Erdogan says he expects production to start in 2023. Experts say it could take longer. At least in the short term, gas under the seabed will not cure the problems plaguing the economy. Turkey is facing its second recession in three years and a fresh currency crisis of its own making. The lira has plunged by 25% against the dollar this year. It hardly budged after Mr Erdogan's announcement in August. For now, Turkey needs reforms more than it does hydrocarbons. Jacinda Mania returns. New Zealand votes. Only one issue is at stake in New Zealand's election tomorrow. Jacinda Ardern's handling of COVID-19. That means there is only one likely outcome. A triumph for her Labour Party. The Prime Minister has been hailed as a saviour for stamping out local transmissions not once but twice. New Zealanders can now enjoy freedoms that others only dream of. The main opposition, National, a centre-right party, has not helped itself by churning through three leaders since May. The latest, Judith Crusher Collins, has recently tried to boost her chances by blaming fat people for their obesity. Polls suggest that Labour will win 46% of the vote, giving it 59 seats in the unicameral parliament, only a couple short of a majority. No party has ever governed alone under New Zealand's system of proportional representation. Even if Labour falls shy, it will find a pliant coalition partner in the Greens. First test. Pakistan's new opposition alliance holds a rally. The stadium is booked, the buses hired and the banners painted. Today the Pakistan Democratic Movement, a new alliance of opponents of the Prime Minister Emran Khan, holds its first rally in Gujranwala in Punjab. It is a test of strength for a group with lofty aims. Not only the removal of Mr Khan, but also of the state above the state. 
the military establishment that has long exerted influence on politics and brought him to power. The PDM hopes that resentment over price increases will help them sell their case. Mr Khan has permitted the rally, though there have been reports of activists arrested and some routes blocked. The PDM's biggest players, the Pakistan Muslim League and Pakistan People's Party, have been cowed since the 2018 election and their leaders harried by corruption charges. Today, they find out whether they have their mojo back or whether Mr Khan is safe at the crease. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William O. Douglas, who was born on this day in 1898. As nightfall does not come all at once, neither does oppression. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.